welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. Bless the Lord. If you have a Bible today, please turn the book of Judges. Um, and we're going to chapter one of the book of Judges. I've titled the message this morning, a very strange one, Twinkling Ornament. Amen? Twinkling Ornament, I gave it to Jess before service. She said, is it a Christmas message? Uh, I said, kind of, maybe. It's always a Christmas message with the gospel, amen? It's always Christmas. We just, we just land on one day to give it special inf- emphasis, and rightly so. Uh, but it's always Christmas. It's always the Christmas message, the giving heart of God. And uh, here we are reading from verse 11. From there they went to fight against the people living in the town of Debri, formerly called Kerat Sefer. Caleb said, I would give my daughter Aksa in marriage to the one who attacks and captures Kerat Sefer. Othniel, the son of Caleb's younger brother, uh, Kenaz, was, one who, was the one who conquered it. So Aksa became Othniel's wife. When Aksa married Othniel, she urged him to ask her father for a field. As she got down off her donkey, Caleb asked her, what's, what's the matter? She said, let me have another gift. You have already given me the land of the Negev. Now please give me springs of water too. So Caleb gave her the upper and the lower springs. When the tribe of Judah left Jericho, the city of Palms, the Canaanites who were the descendants of Moses' father-in-law, traveled with them into the wilderness of Judah there they settled down among the people there near the town of Arad in the Negev. I was going to share a message this morning, and I will do in the short, in the not too, too distant future. I was going to share a message this morning on Israel because it's so poignant. It's in the, it's in the news. People are asking questions. Um, and uh, I, was, I had a, the bones of an old message, just reconstructing, finding from the Spirit, but I got diverted yesterday morning to this scripture, and um, so I believe this is from the Lord today, and, but I will share that message in the future for those of you who've got an itchy ear to hear what God is doing uh, in that part of the world. But this is an amazing uh, part of the history of the Jewish people. The Jewish people, uh, you know, were never a, weren't the people to start with. You know, they were called Hebrews. Uh, they were the descendants of, of Abraham that ended up being enslaved for nearly 500 years in Egypt, but had a promise of God from year dot that God was going to give a seed to the lineage of Abraham and bring them out. And we know that story very well. There shouldn't be a Christian here that doesn't know that story in the church, but for the texture, of, uh, for the purposes of some who are wanting to follow this message correctly, they are, they are now in a place where they have been, uh, they've been literally out, for over, out of bondage for over 40 years here. They you know, were bought out of Egypt, but they, they strayed in the wilderness for 40 years because of unbelief. God brought them out. I mean, surely they should have been able to trust the Lord for the, the smallest part of the journey. I mean, he released them from the grip of Pharaoh. And it, it, you read that account in the Exodus. It's an amazing story. Uh, we love teaching our children the great works of God and the typology, what, you know, the, the deeper spiritual meanings of the deliverances have such ramifications for the New Testament believer to build their confidence in what, who our God is. 
And so they, they are now landing in, in the time of the judges and they are beginning to settle the land that God had given to them. Now, God didn't give them the land of Cana, the Bible says, because the Jews were particularly virtuous, good people. He dispossessed the Canaanites. This is what God says in the scripture, because the Canaanites had become so evil. They were such an evil group of people. They, they, they celebrated death uh, and their, their religious structure was, one of, was a, an abominable structure of human sacrifice. And, uh, and so God says, I'm dispossessed. I'm going to take them out of that land. Get, you know, because I've, I won't strive with them any longer. And I'm giving, this will be the land of Israel. This will be the land where I'm going to bring the Savior of the world. And this will be, as you hear in a future message, this will be the very land that I come back to. So we're all looking to the sky one day for him to come back to this place. But here we are in, in this area. A man called Caleb, one of the only two of 12 spies that 40 years earlier went in to spy out the land. 40 years earlier, God said, you're ready to go in. I have this land for you. But when it came to it, they didn't rise in faith. Uh, ten of them brought back a bad report. But two brought back a good report. One was Caleb, the other was Joshua. And they're still side by side. These men are united in mission. Their hearts are tied together for the, for the testimony of God. They know what's at stake. You know, it's, a, it's an appalling thing to see so many, you know, today that don't really get what's happening. I'm talking within the body of Christ that they don't really see the wood for the trees. But Caleb knew the wood for the trees. He knew what was at stake. He knew the, the plan of God to establish a nation to bring about the Savior of the world. And he's a, he's a tremendous character. And now they're going in settling the land city by city, uh, taking, uh, dispossessing, homogenizing, and, and settling the people of Israel. And you know, there's a certain city uh, that, that he says, if, if whoever goes and takes that city, I'll give my daughter Aksa to be his wife. And so we see from the reading this morning, his, his nephew, Othniel, is the one that a courageous young soldier um, goes in and he takes this city and he is awarded this beautiful bride. And, uh, but it's no ordinary bride. Aksa is the daughter of his old age and his only daughter. He loves her. There's something about this warrior. When you read Caleb, he is a, he's a warrior type. He's, he doesn't, he doesn't, he, he doesn't in, in the onset when you read his exploits, he doesn't strike you as the tender type. You know? <laughs> Caleb is a no-nonsense sort of character if you were to profile him. He's ruddy, he's strong, he's even at 80 years of age, he's 80 at this moment, and he, he's telling Joshua, let me go up to Hebron, let me go up to the hill country to fight what, what are the darker forces, you know, the zoom zooms up there, the shadowy ones, I, I'm going to go to Hebron, I'm going to take that area for God. And so he's a tenacious, strong man, but there's a tenderness in his heart for his only daughter, born in his old age. And he, you know, and I, I can only surmise from reading the scripture that when he, when he laid eyes on her, he gave her his name, her, her name, Aksa. Her name's going to be Aksa, which means shiny or twinkling ornament. I, I don't know about you, but, you know, I remember a story of a, 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 a friend of mine many years ago got saved out of a paramilitary organization. Pastor Steve and his dad would know him very well. A man called Shauna Har, Hara and his he was a very violent, brutal man. He was involved in many, many bombings up north. He was a leader in the IRA, a very vicious. He was a complete communist, leftist, atheist, didn't believe in God. His brother died in the hunger strikes. But I remember him sharing his testimony that when, when his, daughter, his first daughter was born, he, he's an ungodly man. He's a, he's a violent man. He's a murderous man. That's the, the background he came from. He went into the labor ward and saw his wife push this life out. And when he saw his daughter, when he saw the process and he looked upon her, he said in his heart, there has to be a God. This is too beautiful. 
And uh, I can only imagine with, with, with Caleb, it must have been the same. This man of war, he bes- he's besotted by this beautiful little thing. Now, there's no great secret in the Cassidy family that, that uh, I've, I've got six grandchildren. And one of them are set of twins. And to me, they're all twinkling ornaments. To me, they're all beautiful. You, I, I, they're, they're all incredibly wonderful. But there was no doubt when I saw those two twins born, I was one of the first up in my... There was no doubt which one was the girl. Amen. Even in the crib, that beautiful little face just won my heart. It, 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 a softening came over me that the Holy Spirit was trying to do for many years. Amen. <laughs> A tenderness came into me. A grace from God came in. And uh, there is this love that's there. And I can, I, I can identify, not that I'm a Caleb, but I get it, Caleb. I get it the way you gave her the most, the most dotsy, cutesy, beautiful. To him, this little girl was twinkling and shining like a little ornament. You know, uh, it actually means an ankle bracelet. You know, they put on the ankles that jingles. It was gold. It was valuable. You're like this little ankle bracelet. You're beautiful to me. And, and, and so he, he loves his daughter. But he knows if he's going to give his daughter, he's only going to give it to a strong warrior. Amen. And so Othniel takes the city and he wins this beautiful prized uh, bride, Axa. And uh, as, as a consequence to the marriage, Caleb awards uh, Othniel with this uh, land of the Negriv, uh, you know, this great land that's going to be given to him. And so, you know, that's a, that's a tremendous reward. He gets a wife, he gets a land, he gets property of his own, all awarded by Caleb the father. It's a great, great inheritance. But Axa, she is a bright woman. Amen. She's one of the unsung heroes of the scriptures. People go all over to the Debras and they go to the Esthers and they're mighty women of God and the Miriams and there's so many wonderful women of God and she's overlooked here but this is a woman of great, who's greatly loved but also knows that she's greatly loved. Amen. She knows her dad loves her. She knows that she's got him wrapped around her finger. She knows that. In actual fact, when you read in the Hebrew, and I had to research it a little bit, when it says when, when she got down off her donkey, it's actual fact she did a fake slip, <sighs> like onto the ground, and he's and he's, what's the matter? You know, it's, that's the context. Caleb, the mighty warrior, is coming, coming back from battle. He's given his daughter, you know, in marriage. He's given them an inheritance of a, the land of the Negriv. But she knows that's not enough for survival. She knows there needs to be water because a land without water is a dead land. And she knows if there's going to be any posterity, any future for her and her family and her tribe and her offspring, he will need to bestow upon her water for the land. So she does this sort of great actress move. She just does the little fainting moment and she falls off the donkey and he's, what's the matter? And she said, you've given me this wonderful field, this wonderful land, actually, of the Negriv. But she makes this deeper request, but you need to give me water. Amen. You need to give me springs of water. There's no future. You know, and I want to tell you that our Heavenly Father loves his church. Amen. He loves his church. He's Othniel. It's a wonderful name, actually, because our husband, his name is Othniel. And his name means force of God, mighty. In actual fact, the actual tag on almighty, because the name El is there. 
So I don't know, you, you Christians know where I'm going already with this because all already you can see God the Father, God the Son, and you can see the bride, and then you can see the springs of living water, which is the Holy Spirit, all wrapped up. See, the, the, the things of God, friends, are multi-purposes. They're, they're acting out in many realms in our lives today, but it gives you a window into the heart of who God is. It gives you a window into how God, our mighty God, our almighty God, our wonderful God, who, who's righteous and holy, who was, who, who was a lion in battle, amen, but is a tender as a lamb, friends. And you see the heart of Caleb here, and his daughter knows it. And I want to tell you, the Christian that knows that they're loved has no problem in asking of the Heavenly Father. The Christian who knows that my God knows me. Not only has he given me the greatest Savior of all in the Son of his love, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. He has also given me springs of water. And so this incredible relationship is there. She knows that she's loved. I hope this morning you have a revelation. She knew to go to her heavenly father. She had a mighty husband. I want to tell you today, friends, you have a mighty husband in the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I said you have a mighty husband who loves and defends you. Amen. A conquering king. Hallelujah. Praise God this morning of the family relationship that you and I have been brought into. Not just the family of the body, but the family of the Godhead. The Bible says that we've been made partakers of the divine nature. That is an act of grace and an act of mercy from God himself, who pours into our hearts to the power of the Holy Spirit, who releases the new nature, who brings with him all the glories and the holiness of heaven and floods us, the Bible says, and satisfies our mouths with good things. Amen. You know, I had such a distorted picture of God growing up. I grew up in religion. Grew up in kneeling before statues and doing rituals, what they told me to do. No power there. My view of God was not that he was a God of love. My view of God is that he just tolerated us. And if we did enough good things, we may earn his affection. I want to tell you, my grandchildren don't need to earn my affection. My children don't need to earn my affection. I love them because they're mine. Amen. I want to tell you this morning when God speaks about you and me, he says some beautiful things about us. The scriptures are full. God's, this is how God sees you. He sees you as fearfully and wonderfully made. I can imagine Caleb coming home from battle and he sees that, he sees that swollen belly in his wife and he's putting his ear down. Oh, is he kicking or is she kicking? I, and I can imagine that he's just hearing the heartbeat and he's thinking, what gift is God bringing to me? You know, and he's knowing that the psalmist has said, fearfully wonderfully made. Do you know the scriptures say that he delights in us? Do you know that the Bible says you are the apple of his eye? Hallelujah. Oh, Axe knew it. Oh, the sparkling little jewel. She knew she was the apple of her daddy's eye. Do you know that the Bible sees, do you know that God sees you as perfect? He sees you as perfect when you're in Christ. All the perfection of Christ becomes yours based upon your faith. He sees you as holy. He sees you as clean. Do you know what the Bible says? He rejoices over you. Read into the narrative a little bit. Do you think that just Caleb, when the baby was born, just got about business? Do you not think he popped the champagne and maybe put out a few cigars? Putting it very carnally, you understand what I'm saying? 
Do you not think for one second there was a sense of, of euphoria and it continued all the days of his life? I, life is tough. I have a mission to do. But I look at my sons. I look at my daughters. I look at the body of Christ. I see the work of his hand. Do you not think it brings delight to the eyes and the ears of God when he sees you and looks over you? The Bible says, The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save and rejoice over thee with joy. Hallelujah. What a great God. When we begin to inspire ourselves in the truth of the word of God, it lifts our focus to say, I have a God who loves me. Hallelujah. I never knew such a God. My God was a petulant, petty God that was only looking for a reason to condemn you, was only looking for a reason to try to put you into pur- 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 purgatory or hell. You know, never knew that John 3.16 existed. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Didn't understand that the Bible says that God is love. God is love. It's not a sentiment. It's not a feeling. It's a person. It emanates from him. All good things come from God, come down from the Father of light, in whom there is no shadow or turning, the Bible says. You know, God looks at you as, as a dove. I love that. Oh, my dove, which art in the cleft of the rock. In the secret place of the stair, let me see your countenance. Let me hear your voice, for sweet is your voice. Hallelujah. God sees you. God sees you as precious. He sees you as choice, chosen. You are chosen. You are royal. He sees you as royalty. Holy. He sees you as a friend. No longer do I call you servants, I call you friends. He sees you as his child. He sees you not as defeated, but as a conqueror, more than a conqueror. He calls you beloved. He calls you sons and daughters. She knew this about her earthly father, friends. And it caused her to press in to this, what appeared to me to others as being an austere, hard man, tough guy. You know, that was the people who comment on God that way are people who have no true relationship with him. People used to say of my dad, Nick Senior, he's really tough looking, isn't he? I remember in school, my friends used to say, your dad has a really tough looking face. Maybe he did. I don't know. To me, he was never that. But I tell you, you didn't know my dad. He was the softest character you could ever meet. But I tell you, he would stand up to anyone to fight for and defend his family if he had to. And you didn't know. They, see, people who don't know God, people who don't know his ways, people who don't know his heart, people who don't know, they sit back and they interpret God through the faultiness of their own thinking. They lens God to the darkness of their own soul. But that's not who he's revealed to be in the scriptures, friends. Thank be to God, he is holy, he is just, he is omnipotent, he is all-powerful, friends. He is everywhere, he is timeless, spaceless, materialist, and yet he has made himself shown, he has shown himself unto us. He couldn't get any bigger to impress us. So he came down and became part of this world. Condescending for the glory is the greatest mystery of the Christian faith. As if other things aren't mysteries, the mystery of mysteries. The emptying of himself to come down and be part of the human world, friends, is a mystery of mysteries that I cannot defend. 
I can only believe because the scriptures are very clear. I cannot defend any attribute of God scientifically or even philosophically because to think that some, some being lived forever without beginning and end of days, that he is as powerful here and, and present here as he in, is in the other part of the end of the world in China, that he relates to you and to me as if we were only sons and on, the only daughters, the only apple of his eye. Friends, I don't understand. I can't prove that, but I sense it. Amen. And so she said to him, give me the springs of water. Now I shared a little bit of this yesterday because we were at a house dedication for Ben and Sheena. They were two years house hunting. They were getting exhausted. They were getting, you know, naturally disappointed where the markets have gone. But yet they were men, they're, they're, they're a couple of faith. They're, they're a true couple of faith in our church. Indian couple that came over here and find a, find a new life, adapt to a new culture. If the culture wasn't bad enough, the weather has you. And, and yet, yet God has blessed him mightily. And I shared this in part with him yesterday. And I remember looking at Sheena who stood at the table giving glory to God for the house that, and our husband and our family. And we were all rejoicing with them. And I said to them, this is beautiful. This is wonderful. You're, you, have, you, have a, you do have a handsome husband. She stood up and said, my, I want to thank God for my handsome husband, my family. Uh, you do have a handsome husband. You have a beautiful home. You've got an absolutely gorgeous daughter who's named after my wife, by the way, another Catherine. But it's not enough. And Axa knew that this wasn't enough. Land is not enough. Whatever you're leaning on, whatever you think you have, if I can just get this, your job is not enough. You see, there's some Christians here, and you're so lower in your thinking, you think that this promotion, this relationship, this will be enough. It's never enough, friends. You need the springs of water. You need the inpouring. You need the moving of the Spirit. You need to be able to relate to the Holy Spirit. You need to be able to journey with the Holy Spirit. It's not just, here, here's the rule book and see how well you do. Well, if you think that's the way, you're not any smarter than the Jews and they couldn't keep it and I can't keep it and you can't keep it. That was the whole purpose of the Bible, to show that none of us could keep it and then we may humble ourselves under the hand of a merciful, kind God that made a way for us. What a wonderful Savior. What a wonderful gospel. No matter what angle you look at the scripture, it's Christmas every day. I said it's the giving of God every day. It's Christmas every day for the, Christ, for the Christian. For the man and woman that lives with gratefulness and thankfulness. For the man and woman that knows how loved they are. They're in a relationship. And so, you know, she, she called, she knew, she knew this wealth will go away. She knew her bones would get old. She knew that life itself will leave you empty. And it does. Because Jesus said, what does a prophet a man if he, if, if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Yeah, when people become so low in their thinking, she wanted the springs of water. In John 7, uh, Jesus standing up at the last day of the great feast. And he lifts up his voice in Solomon's colonnade. Maybe 100,000 people, maybe 150,000 people gather in in that general colonnade area. At the last day of the feast, Jerusalem was swollen to nearly a million people over that period of time. And he lifts up his voice. No amplification. Other stuff is going on. There's commotion. There's chickens being sold. There's lambs being sold. People are on the way to the temple. People are coming out. But he lifts up his voice. He said, if any man thirsts, let him come unto me and let him drink. And as the scriptures have said, out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And it says, this he spake of the Spirit, 
who had not yet been given because Christ had not yet been glorified. I want to tell you, friends, it is wonderful that the blessing of God is on His church, but there is more than just salvation. There's more than just being right with God. There's more than just being saved and being miserable the rest of your days. There's more than just, well, my sins are forgiven, but I just need to chew on lemons till I get to heaven. There's more than just being saved and, yo, and I just have to bear my cross. I just have to get through life. Oh, no, you need to know you're loved and you can go to your father because you are his twinkling ornament. Hallelujah. You are the one that he loves. You don't even need to put on the drama. You know, we all turn on the drama. It's okay. He sees through that. You're not thinking for one second that us men know when you women are trying to manipulate us. But we love it anyhow. Amen. <laughs> you don't need to do that with God. But even if you should, even if you have a level of doubt and you think that by somehow a little bit of theater will bring the affection of God, well, you can keep it. You can do it all you want. It makes no difference. He loves you anyhow. Before you could say goo goo gaga, before you had one word, when all you were was a burping and pooping machine, when all you had was give me more food, change my diaper, he loved you, amen. Yes. Cared about you, gave you that name, many other names with that, gave you that wonderful husband called Christ Jesus, the force of God, the mighty one, the almighty Christ. Anyone come out to Luke 11? We always quoted about ask, seek, and knock. And, you know, Jesus said, you know, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you will find. And the door shall be opened unto you. And he says, which one of you fathers, if your son was to ask you for bread, would give him a stone? Or for fish, would give him a scorpion? How much more would God give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Why is it not in our economy? Why is just coming to church on a Sunday? Why is it just telling your friends I'm saved and sins forgiven? I want to tell you there's so much more. I said there's so much more. There's so much more in Christ for you. There's a tremendous scripture in Zechariah chapter 10. Where the prophet Zechariah speaking the word of God for God says this. And this is what the Lord says. Ask of the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain and he will make storm clouds he will send showers of rain so every field becomes lush a lush pasture now this is an interesting scripture because Caleb gave her the upper and the lower springs that's what he gave he gave her the upper and the lower springs and I pondered on that for a while. I, it, it pondered, to me, it was a little cryptic. Even though it was a literal event, he gave her the upper and lower springs of the Negev and it watered the land. But what does it say to us? Because the Bible is an eternal word. It speaks beyond generations. It's, it speaks the deeper memes of God. It speaks it, the deeper oracles of God. It points to a higher land. It points to a higher Othniel. It, 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 it moves beyond these to the ultimate who is Christ and our relationship to God through the Holy Spirit. And he gave her the upper and the lower springs. Now, when you look at the scripture of promise in Zechariah of the Holy Spirit, he says, ask of the Lord and I will give you rain in the time of the latter rain. So for any harvest to be successful, you need a former rain and you need a latter rain. The farmer, every farmer knows this. I'm not a great horticulturist. My wife is the green finger person here. But I do pick up a little detail every now and again. And I'm spot on correct. 
When that farmer goes and plows the field and he plants those seeds in that field, they will not germinate until that former rain, that, that former rain happens. In other words, the first rain that hits it causes that germination of the seed. In other words, the first rain causes the life, brings life. But, and then with that life, the, 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 the plant will start to grow. You'll start to see the shoot coming up through the earth. And then you start to see the stalk. And you begin to see the, 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 the formation of, of the plant. But if the latter rain doesn't happen, the fruit will not develop. It will not develop. They need the latter rain. And Christian, I want to tell you the former rain is already after coming. There's life there. Amen. Can you say amen? The former rains after falling upon the seed of faith, that the life of Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit is there. But you need to ask him again because this is what it's all about. It's now moving from a place of life where I was once dead in my trespasses and sins, according to the Apostle Paul. The life of God has come through the power of the Holy Spirit. And now God says, as he said, Jesus said, ask of me. I will give you the Holy Spirit. Ask me. Ask me. Now, friends, some will today and some won't. And I tell you the reason why. The some will because you've lived long enough to know you need it. You've developed the level of wisdom that this is just not enough. I will not get through without the storms that are ahead of me. I will, I will get through with bitterness of soul. I will get through with much anguish as a Christian. I want to console you. You will get through it and you will get there. But I want to tell you, you can get there with much fruit as well. Because the latter rain, the upper springs and the lower springs, the former rain and the latter rain. The former rain bring in life, but the latter rain bring in fruit. And this is the relationship that the Christian must have with the Holy Spirit. It's not essential to be born for your salvation. That's already after happening with former rain. You're saved by grace through faith in Christ. The life of the Holy Spirit has come. He's germinated the seed. The spiritual life where there was once death. Now we were alive to God. We're awakened to God. There's a relationship there. But in any relationship, amen, you need to talk. In any relationship, there needs to be a degree of honesty. So let's examine it for a moment. What do we bring to this relationship? Pastor Patrick? Maybe. What do we bring? Well, I'll be honest with you. We have to always find out we bring absolutely nothing but broken possibilities. But if we ask, I said if we ask, because the scripture says the excellency of the power is of God and not of us. You are alive in Christ, but do you want to grow in Christ? Do you, want, do, you want, do you want to truly hear the voice of God and move in the things of God? Do you truly want the Holy Spirit to speak not just to you, but through you? Do you want to see the fruit of the Holy Spirit? We know what the fruit of the Holy Spirit is. Apostle writes us, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, yeah. peace, kindness, meekness, gentleness, self-control. The Apostle Paul, writing in Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 1, he said, Brethren, I would not have you ignorant concerning spiritual gifts. And yet somehow, it's not because you haven't heard it from this pulpit, not because you haven't read it in your scripture, sometimes it's so simple that we have just settled for the land of Negriv and never asked for any more. Now, if you're there, I don't care how long you're born again, how long you're in the kingdom, 
there comes a serendipitous moment where you have to go, bing, there is more. There is more, hallelujah. There's a journey for me. There's a journey for you into the depths of God. There is an ability for you to hear the voice of God. Not others hearing around you, but you to be sensed. The Bible says, you know, those who are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. In other words, they grew from the little ankle bracelet, amen, up to be sons and daughters of the living God who walk with Him under the power of the Holy Spirit. And yet God would want us to come in and press in. God would say, I will give you the rain in the time of the latter rain. I will bring the fruit to your life. I will give you the power that Paul is telling you about. I give you the promised Holy Spirit that Jesus spoke about that came at Pentecost and overwhelmed that ancient world and brought the gospel like a wildfire through the Roman Empire right up to today. The kingdom of God has been forcefully advancing. Thank God today he has been building his church. Lord, give me also springs of water. Can you pray that in your heart this morning? Oh God, I thank God I'm saved. I thank God my sins are forgiven. I thank God I'm loved. Lord, give me a greater revelation of how loved I am. Because when that settles your heart, it's easy to pull up the hand and ask. Well, I have a, an unwritten rule. It's not, so, it's not unwritten. I've told my children, when the kids come to my house, it's always yes. Amen. When the grandkids come to my house, it's always yes. I'm never saying no. I'm never going to be the one that says no. You have to step in at that moment and not derail my plan. Amen. <laughs> and if you earthly fathers know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more so will God give the Holy Spirit to those beautiful anklet bracelets that are sitting around you this morning? you, the deer, the apple of his eye. He hates to see you struggle the way you're struggling. It breaks his heart to watch how the enemy gets the upper hand of the flesh of the world. That you feel isolated and cut off from him when that's just not the truth. It's a feeling, a betraying feeling and a false feeling. And it's false because you haven't learned how to relate to the Holy Spirit. You haven't learned how to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Some have never even asked. And some try to make it true and brave it true by theological statements and disciplines. Well, I'd like to see how far that's going to get you. Because it's never the intended plan. The plan was the Holy Spirit. You were never, Jesus didn't resign and go to heaven and say, I'm going to leave you a rule book and a, few, a bunch of leaders and just work it out. He said, it's essential that I leave you. Because when I do, I will send you to Paracletus. I will send you another of the same kind as him. That's what it means. The, another of the same kind. He is with you, but soon he will be within you. And that happened, of course, at Pentecost. The, the regeneration of the Spirit, bringing the life of God in. But we also need that latter rain. Oh, she knew. Uh, we will die. My children will have no real future. They will have someone that has an old testament, how God led us out of Egypt. But they'll see no life. They'll see no posterity for it. They will see no longevity for it. And may God, God, God forbid, that would be your testimony for your children. That, oh, you talked a good talk and you had a testimony, but nothing of the power of God spread into the home. Nothing of the sense of the Holy Spirit began to permeate the hearts of your children. Oh, may God... Give a revelation today. Maybe you hear a call in the heart of God through this message today. A yearning in the heart of God 
to bless you, a yearning in the heart of God. I want to tell you right now, if you don't, I want to just reiterate, your field is not enough. Your home is not enough. Your job is not enough. I said this to the couple I said yesterday. You got this beautiful home. You got this hand. It's not enough. You need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit. I forget about you. I need the Holy Spirit. I need to start journeying against you. I need to start praying in tongues again. I need to start listening to what the Spirit is saying. Not moving out and, and an idea. An idea is good. I'm a smart guy. Well, we used to be smart, my wife would say. My staff would say, definitely not smart. I need the Holy Spirit. I really do. I'm not good. This, man, we are facing a time in this world of unparalleled and unshackled evils. A time of, of, of returning to paganism and all the ramifications of that. A time of deep confusion. A time of where, where the wisdom of the Spirit is needed like never before. Where we have to run through the tram lines, friends, wherever we find them, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, rather than running around the half-cocked and religious ideas and no leading of God. Many Christians today are like that. They're just out there placarding and shouting at governments and raiding their fists in the sky, thinking that we can, through our anger, move the hearts of men. I want to tell you, the only thing that turns the heart of a man is the Holy Spirit. The only thing that turns the heart of a nation is the Holy Spirit. Neither democracy, presidents, legislators, friends, can do that. It's only the heart of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit gets a hold of someone, when we Christians just using all the utility on, 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 on screaming about what's happening around the world and screaming about this injustice and that injustice and, and all the other things, friends, I want to tell you, preach Christ Jesus. Preach the gospel. Preach the upper and the lower springs of water. Go out into this world, but have a testimony, not a theory about it. This is what I would leave you this morning. Yes, I know you're embracing this. I sense it in my spirit this morning, but the next step is for you to come and ask. Amen. The next step is you to step up. Andy's going to come in a moment, lead us in worship. But the next step for you and I is to really come with that hunger and thirst because Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for they shall be satisfied. Don't think for one second that your heavenly father is either stingy or he's, he's holding it so high that you can't get it. Do you know there's that sort of a sadistic part of our natures? You ever see us when, you know, when we're younger, younger brother or sister, you hold the balloon up but they can't get it. You're always, always just and jumping and jumping and making them look clumsy or falling off the couch trying to get something. Am I the only sadistic? Up? There's something about our natures. But that's not who he is. We lens that and say maybe God is a little bit like that. Oh no. He's not petty, friends. He's got a plan. To seek and to save that which is lost. To bring it to himself. To reconcile all things to himself. And in that plan, he's resurrected the church. That ankle bracelet of God. That twinkling ornament that he loved. That he loved so much that he paid with his own blood. And then he brings her out of the darkness into a promised land. And he gives her that land, amen. And then that land, friends, he says, ask me now for that rain in the time of the latter rain. And you start seeing the fruit, not just in your life, but in the community. Because no civilization failed until the church first failed. Amen. Hallelujah. Stand with me this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You need, and I need, we're going to do an altar, friends. Very short order. You and I need to have that relationship with the Holy Spirit of God. It's very important that we teach you doctrine, and that is absolutely correct. An order of life 
behavior that the scriptures lay down for us. But that's not what Christianity really is truly at its core about. The, the core of Christianity is a true relationship through the Holy Spirit with God Almighty. And other than that, you're just, it's just religion. It's just, it's just powerless air coming out of our lungs, making sounds out through our vocal cords. I want to tell you, instead of Samuel in the Old Testament, then when he spoke, his words didn't fall to the ground. Most of mine do, most of yours do. But if the Holy Spirit is relating to us, then when we speak under the anointing of God, it pierces the heart. It brings conviction of sin, righteousness, and judgment. It brings that sense of the heart and presence of God. And I, I, I'm going to open this altar this morning. For maybe there might be even one here this morning who said, you know what? I'm going to ask for the Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask for the Holy Ghost. I'm going to ask for that fire again, that passion. I'm going to come believing. I'm going to pray with you. There's going to be some godly men and women that will stand with you. Believe for the filling of the Holy Spirit again, that you will be baptized afresh in the Holy Ghost. A fresh baptism. Maybe you have been baptized already and you're speaking in tongues. But maybe you say, I need that touch again from the Lord. We're going to open that altar for you too, to come in and press in. If you're so sick of the status quo as a Christian, where it's, it's, it's become Groundhog Day for you, I want to invite you to an altar, to a God who absolutely loves you, who sees you as the apple of his eye, who delights over you, gives you that beautiful name, his bride. He's given you that Savior. Hallelujah. The almighty Savior of Neil. He's given you a land, but he's also given you his precious Holy Spirit. And that is going to be what's needed if you and I are going to see success in these very end times. I'm going to invite you to come to an altar in a moment, but I want you to consider why you come to this altar. Because Jesus said, you have not because you ask not. And when you do ask, you ask with the wrong motives. And our motive has to be for the glory of God and for the souls of men. Knowing that when we are motivated like that, he sees every one of your needs and he knows what they are before you ask for them. There's a wonderful, there's a wonderful playing out of our relationship with the Lord. When we truly put his glory first and the souls of lost men and women second. That is the real way for joy in your life again. Are some of you joyless today? Have some of you lost your way a little bit as Christians? That somehow it's been all about me and my and my own. And I've missed the plan of God. Well, come to an altar and say, Holy Spirit, I need that fresh baptism. I, I need to speak in tongues again. I need, to, I need to have words of wisdom, words of knowledge. Oh God, I, I need to know what you're saying in this hour to me and my family. I need to hear the direction to go left or right, Lord, I stay put. Lord, I need to be able to react, Lord, when Jesus said, Blessed art thou when men say all manners of evil against you for my name's sake. I need to be able to fall back in that scripture by understanding great will be my reward for enduring such hostility. Hallelujah. You, cannot, you can't do that in the natural. You can't. It wears down. And after a while, you, you meet fire with fire. And you end up doing like every carnal man out there, violence with violence. Jesus said, if my kingdom was of this world, my disciples would have fought, but it's not of this world. We don't take any, we don't morally compel any man through a sword or through a fear of, 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 of attack or reprisal. We simply proclaim Christ Jesus and his virtues and him crucified, his resurrection power, and the outpouring of his Holy Spirit. 
So this morning, I'm going to invite you as we worship. God is going to lead us in song. We're going to pray with you. We're going to ask for this fresh anointing in your life, a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit upon you. As you come this morning, come, come hungry, come thirsty. Come, maybe somebody need to kneel in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions at all, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and see you next time. God bless. Thank you.